high school. And high school hated me. We had a love-hate relationship. We loved to hate each other. High school was extremely hard for me. So what I do when I sit down and I try to put thoughts together for you guys out of Scripture, because the whole thing I want you guys to do this year as we go through youth group is to learn about the Bible. But to learn about how we take the Bible and how we apply it to our lives, because it's still very relevant today. And I'm hoping through this series called A Good Start, this will be very relevant that you guys can learn how to get a good start spiritually in the school year this year. Even if you're a Christian, been walking with God good, I think these are some things that will be very helpful, I hope, that you guys will be able to hang on to. And when you're walking through life, you can use what you learn in here and apply it to your life. That's the whole goal of youth group. It's to have fun, to play games, but honestly, that's why we're here. Because I want you guys to have an opportunity. Because see, when I was a kid, there was a Dan Canoose walking the halls of high school. I know this is going to be hard for you guys to believe, but I was a dork. I was like a royal dork. Fluffy hair, buck teeth, zits. I weighed 135 pounds, soaking wet. Girls couldn't stand me. I was like a loser, okay? I know that's hard to believe, as cool as I am today, because I am a hip, cool youth pastor. You guys knew that, right? I'm just saying. So what I want you guys to do, though, is I want to lay something at your feet tonight that I pray that will be very helpful for you. For the next four weeks, we're going to look at a good start. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about he, how Jesus increases and how we decrease. That's the very first week. And what we're going to do, this is kind of our theme for the year, if I can put it that way. <clears throat> if I've got a theme verse for our youth group this year, it's going to be John 3.30. He must increase and I must decrease. That's what we're going to be talking about. And that's what the main focus of everything I'm going to revolve around this year is because I want you guys to know when you start the school year this year, where you sit in your seats, I want you guys to remember this. Are you ready? I pray that you guys don't give up on this. I pray that you guys make this a priority this year, that you come to youth group and you learn about God. No matter where you sit, you may, you may be in the room tonight and you don't even believe in this Jesus thing. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. And you may be very mature in your faith. I'm glad you're here. So no matter where you sit in your seat right now, I want you to picture this in your head. Ask yourself this, where am I at in this whole conversation of having a relationship with Christ? Do I even have a relationship with him yet? Do I know what that looks like? Or am, am I kind of compromising and working my way through some of this as I live my life? Or am I a very solid believer as I sit in my chair tonight? I want you guys to remember this moment as you sit here tonight. Because if you'll be with us as the year goes on and you don't fizzle out when it comes to youth group and you're like, well, I got a lot of homework to do or I got other stuff I should be doing, I really want you guys to make a commitment this year, not to me, but to learning about God. But I want you to remember where you're at right now. Because if you stay faithful to this process for the rest of the year, I'm going to ask you this question the very last time we meet for youth group. And I'm going to have you ask yourself this. This year, the way I walked with Christ, maybe I just got to know him, maybe I've known him, I know him better now. Did he increase? And did you decrease? That's going to be the theme of this year, if I can put it that way. So this whole idea of John 3.30 is what we're going to be talking about tonight. But I got a question for you guys first. I want to give you guys an opportunity to turn to your tables, and I want you to answer these two questions, and your small group leaders have them. Who's the greatest person you know? Don't say me. That was a joke. <laughs> you guys, come on, help a guy out, will you? I practiced that one, too. Who's the greatest person you know, or who is the greatest person you've ever heard of? Talk about that amongst your tables real quick, and we'll start back here in a second.
Okay, I promised the small group leaders this message wouldn't last all night. So this is going to be a highlight. And the guy we're going to talk about tonight is going to be John the Baptist. Who's ever studied John the Baptist in the Bible? Anybody? I love John the Baptist in the Bible. He's the very first time I tortured the adults on a Sunday morning was a message on John the Baptist years ago, and it was a horribly bad message. So hopefully tonight will make a little more sense. What I want to do is I'm going to hit the high spots of John the Baptist. I'm going to look a little bit at Scripture, and then we're going to break that down, and I'm going to have you guys turn back to your small groups again. So let me read this to you. I wrote this down so I could keep a pattern of this. John the Baptist was a prophet from a priestly family. He preached a message of repentance, announcing the coming of the Messiah, that would be Jesus Christ. Christ, baptized Jesus, and was beheaded by Herod, Herod Antipas, is who, he, who cut his head off. So imagine that, being John the Baptist, one of the greatest people in Scripture, had his head cut off in prison by a really bad guy. John's clothing reminded, me, reminded people of the ancient prophet Elijah. It was generally believed that Elijah would return before the Messiah made his appearance. John wore camel hair clothing with a leather belt around his waist, and his diet considered repulsive to most people would be locusts. And believe it or not, way back in the day when I was in the junior high room, and if Greg Wortham was in here, he would be able to vouch for this, I ate, I ate a bug. Talking about John the Baptist one night at youth group, I actually ate a bug for the high school kids or for the junior high kids. It was horrible. It didn't even taste, but I, it was really cool because I got to go down to, I think it was called All God's Creations, and I went down and bought a little cricket, and they asked me what I was doing with it, and I told them. So I got the witness about Christ at the animal store telling them I was going to eat a bug. If I had one, I would, actually. Hey, I've eaten, I've eaten termites. Does that count? When I was in Belize, I ate termites. They, were, they tasted like chocolate mint. I just took them off a tree. They were like in, they were like in a nest. And we are way out of control. And I'm supposed to be making this message short tonight. Okay, so he ate bugs. That was his food. Bugs and wild honey. Jesus said a lot about John the Baptist, but he said this. This is why I asked you guys this question. Jesus said this about John. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus himself said, John the Baptist, born of women, there was no one greater. But watch this. Yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven, remember, he increases and I decrease. Whoever is, in the, is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John did not see himself as great. He didn't see himself as a great individual. John did not, he did not view himself that way. He did not feel worthy even to carry the Lord's sandals. Here's what John's mission was, and we'll talk about this a little bit again in a minute. John's mission was to personally prepare the world for Christ's arrival. Now listen, everybody. John, thousands of years ago, his job was to prepare the world for Christ's arrival the first time. We'll get into that in a second. But I got to thinking about this this afternoon as I was kind of reeling all this through my head. Do you know what our job is as Christians? Is to prepare the world for Christ's return. Do you understand? We should be sharing the gospel. We should be sharing good news because Jesus is going to come back. Do you guys know that? The Lord's going to return, and when he comes back, do you know that's the end of it? We'll, there'll be no more second chances. So if you know family and you know friends that don't know the Lord, kids that should be coming to youth group that have no hope, this is why it's so critical. We're all little John the Baptist in here tonight because that should be our goal is to get the world ready for Christ's return. Now, Here's what was going on in John chapter 3, and it was about verses 22 through 30. John is baptizing people in, 
in the, in the water in the Jordan. He's saying, repent and be baptized, you brood of vipers. Okay, He's talking to all the Jewish people in the community at that time. They're having an argument about ceremonial cleansing, and I can't get into that tonight. Maybe we'll talk about that some other night. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And John the Baptist, I can just see it. I, I, I got a really good imagination. So I see the water of the Jordan flowing by, and I see John in there about waist deep with his camel hair outfit on, his leather belt around his waist, and he's baptizing people. And he's, he's, he's encouraging people to be baptized and, and repent, okay? And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And John says this. John says, behold, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's where I kind of want to pick up on this idea tonight because we're going to lean into this and find out what this means to be where he increases, Jesus has to increase, that I might decrease. And that's what John was talking about because then John's disciples came to him. So John baptizes Jesus and Jesus gets up and he goes to another part of Judea and John's still baptizing people. And then Jesus is baptized. Jesus isn't baptizing, but his disciples are baptizing people, Okay. Well, you got John on one side of the river, if I can put it that way, not this close, and you got Jesus on the other side of the river. Well, see, John the Baptist has disciples. The word disciple literally means learner, follower. So they were following John the Baptist. And they come back in this, these verses in John chapter 3, 22 through 30, and John's disciples come back, and I love how this is put. They say, remember that guy you talked about? They were talking about Jesus. They didn't even say his name. Remember that guy that you talked about and that you baptized? There's more people going to him now than there is you, John. So in other words, Jesus' youth group was getting bigger and John's was getting smaller. And that's where John says, and think about this now. John had an opportunity to be prideful and to be haughty and to be upset because more people are following Jesus than John now. But John knew this. John knew what his mission was, which we're talking about in a minute. And that's why he told his disciples that came and said, hey, listen, they're leaving you and they're going over there. What's the deal? That's when John says, he must increase and I must decrease. Now, I think this is a personal conversation, but it's also keeping the scripture in context is, is important. And I want to share this with you guys. And you guys, if you've been in here before, you may hear me talk about this. Context of scripture is basically what is going on in that moment of the story. And that moment of the story, what they're talking about is ministry stuff. John's ministry needs to decrease. Jesus, he's pointing people to Jesus. He wants them to follow Jesus. Do you want your friends to follow Jesus? Because if you do, you'll share the gospel with them. If you do, you'll come alongside them and love them. So in context, what they're talking about is ministry stuff here. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to talk about the ministry stuff, but I'm also going to talk about this personally. And I want to know how John, how does, I've been thinking about this. How does John get to the point where he can honestly say, and listen, this is personal for me because I'm in ministry. That's my job. It's what I do. And for me, I've really searched my heart with this idea of he must increase and I must decrease. I don't have much of a problem with that because when you come in here on a Wednesday night, the last person I want you following is me. This is not about me. I'm going to do nothing more all year long than do my best failing along the way to point you to Jesus. So I want to be John the Baptist. I want to take this whole youth group this year and I want to point you to Christ every opportunity I get. If I've talked to you on the phone, if I counsel with you, if I've met you for coffee, I hope you know that when you talk to me, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming to the cross, right? 
If I visited with you, right, Samantha, I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming to the cross every single time because that's where we find the answer, okay? That's my job as a youth pastor is to do that for you guys. Your job is to be little John the Baptist, so, and your job is to take your friends and drag them kicking and screaming to the cross because that's where we find hope. So here's the first thing I want to get into, and I'm going to blitz through this pretty quick. The very first thing we need to do to, to have this idea of he increases and we decrease is this. You must know the person. You must know the person who is Jesus Christ. See, John the Baptist makes a confession in John 1.29 as to who Jesus is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, what? ready, watch, watch, watch. I want you guys to watch this. Think about this. As you lived your life today, this word behold means to gaze upon, to stare at, to focus on. Close your eyes. Think about your day. How often did you behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Open your eyes. Or did you just live your life and not notice him? Because for him to increase and for us to decrease, we have to know him. John didn't just, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. This is so important. John didn't just know about him. See, I think there's a lot of people that know about Jesus. Dan Canoose didn't get saved until he was 38 years old. I knew, I, I knew about God. I wasn't an atheist. I believed in God. John didn't just know about him. John knew him personally. Do you know Jesus personally as you sit in your chair tonight? If you don't, or even if you do, here's how you explain it. I think to know him personally, the first thing we didn't understand is what he's done for us. And if you look at your bulletin, you will see he personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. We're going to get into a lot of that through the year, but Jesus never sinned. Not once, but when he hung on the cross, he took our sin upon him is what he did. He did that for you. He, he took upon the wrath of God that was meant for mankind on the cross. And I hope this year this will lean on you a little bit and change how you view what Jesus did and didn't do for us. The second thing I think we need to know to know Jesus personally is this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a Christian word, saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I want to go back up to that first sentence for a second with me. You ready? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I think this is where a lot of Christians get stuck. Because see, we believe he's Savior. We believe he died on a cross for me. But he's not our Lord. To be saved, the very first thing it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's a saying out there and it says this, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I believe deep within the recesses of my heart, if he's not your Lord, he will not be your savior for very long. Because we rule our own kingdom if he's not Lord. Do you guys understand that? We've got to confess that he is Lord. Because if he's not Lord of all, he will not be Lord at all. And if he's not your Lord, he will not be known as your Savior for very long, I promise you. Because you rule in your kingdom and you will want things your way. I hope that makes sense to you guys. The third thing we need to know is this. 
We need to grow in our relationship with him. You ready? We need to grow in our relationship with him. And I believe most of Christianity, if I can make this confession, is lazy. Most Christians are lazy. They don't want to put in the work it takes to build a relationship with someone, anybody, but Jesus, I mean. If you have a boyfriend, think about this. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you said, hi, my name is Dan, and my wife's name is Rachel, and we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and I go, nice to meet you, and I never talk to her again. Do I have her? She's my acquaintance. I was introduced to her. I can call her my girlfriend. Rachel's my girlfriend. I never talk to her. I never spend any time with her. I never get to know her, but she's my girlfriend. How deep do you think our relationship's going to be? See, now, yes, shallow is good. Now Rachel's my wife because before she was my girlfriend, I got to know her, fell in love with her, and now we're married and we love each other dearly, but we work hard at getting to know each other. See, my wife and I have a wonderfully great relationship because we work at it. I think a lot of people want to get saved. They've been introduced to Jesus. Their sins have been forgiven, but he doesn't become Lord. And because he's not Lord, you don't spend time getting to know him. Now hear me right. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says this, for it is by grace we are saved. It is a gift, free gift of God that no man should boast. What I'm talking about is not earning your way to heaven. What I'm talking about is working at building a relationship with Jesus. Because see, here's the news. It's a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And it's about getting to know Jesus and Jesus getting to know you. To, be know, to know him and to be known by him. I think if he's Lord and Savior, that happens. 2 Peter 3.18 puts it this way. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Peter. Everybody who's a Christian knows who Peter is, and he says it. For, but grow in grace. Grow. If you, I got weightlifters in the back of the room. Timmy and Kate are in here. If you guys never went to the gym, you'd look like me. <laughs> Make sense? You got to work at it, don't you, to develop yourself. Point number two is this. You must know your place in God's plan. John knew his place in God's plan. He knew, what he, who, he knew who he was and who he wasn't. In John 3, 28, he says this, you yourself can testify. This is John the Baptist talking to his disciples. They're complaining that everybody's going to Jesus. You yourself can testify that I said, John the Baptist said, I am not the Messiah, but I was sent ahead of him. John also made it clear that declaring his position, he knew what his job was to prepare the way for Jesus, to make known Christ and to prepare the way, a straight path. If you go back to the book of Isaiah and you look at chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, 700 years before John the Baptist showed up on the scene, 700 years Isaiah prophesied about John the Baptist. And it says this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness preparing a way for the Lord. 700 years before that happened, before John baptized people in the water, it was in the Bible. This is why John could make the statement that he must increase and I must decrease because John knew why he was here. John knew what his purpose was. John knew what his calling was from God. Life's not about us. Life's about the one who drug us out of the pit of hell and saved us. And it's our job to point people to him. Here's the thing I want you guys to get to. When I talk about this idea of Jesus must increase, everybody nods. Yeah, Jesus, he's got to increase. But we hesitate when I say, but we got to decrease. 
yeah, Jesus has got to increase. But when I say, but John says, we got to decrease, we're like, well, wait a minute. I kind of like me the way I am. I don't really want to decrease. But when you understand God's purpose and plan for your life and you understand who he is and you know him, in the light of who he is compared to who you are, you will decrease. And your desire will be, because of what he's done for you, your desire will be to point him to other people. The last thing is this. Oh, and here, I want to touch on this too. John, here's what I want, to get, I want you guys to get, across, get this across to you guys. John was not only willing to decrease, he had joy in his heart to do it. So this school year, are you guys willing to allow Christ to increase and you decrease without being disgruntled about it, without pouting about it, without thinking, I don't want to, but finding joy in the journey of his increase and your decrease, because John found joy in it. The last thing is this, you must know your purpose. John knew his purpose when he introduced Jesus to the Lord, to the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew his mission and his message, repent and be baptized. Now listen to me. We should know our mission and our message. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 make it very clear. Go, go therefore, baptizing people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's the last thing Jesus commanded us to do. Go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's how Jesus increases and we decrease. But I want you guys, I want to give you something very simple to remember, and then I'll wrap it up with a final thought. Here's what your purpose in life is. You ready? This is the standard that I want you guys to measure your lives by this school year to bring glory to God in all that you do. Well, how do I know if I'm doing that, Dan? Here's what I know about God. The Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you when you're a Christian is faithful enough to go, Psst, that's not good for our relationship. And when he whispers in your heart, he says, I really wish you wouldn't do that because it harms our relationship. If you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, you don't do things to hurt the other person, do you? So in your life, everything revolves around this idea of a relationship with Christ. Is what I'm doing helping or harming? Is it bringing glory to God? And if it's not, stop it. <laughs> it's not rocket science. But if that's your standard, then you can measure each day. Does this bring glory to God? And if it doesn't, he's faithful to let you know, be obedient to him. Does that make sense to you guys? Right there is our purpose in life. There's a couple other thoughts on it, but I'm going to stop because I want you guys to have time in your groups tonight. So becoming less means this, putting the temporal, what we see here, watch me, the temporal is this right here, everything in front of us for the eternal. Keeping our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. That's your purpose. Break up in your small groups and we'll come back up and finish in a few minutes. Okay, everybody, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room. There are some papers on your table. Can I have that paper right there in the middle of the table, please? Nope, that one there. Awesome, thank you. Thanks. Okay, see this paper? This is a packet. There's four pages to this, and this is called the gospel. The gospel is something we're going to learn at Dare to Share this year again when we do. We'll do it virtually this year, but Dare to Share will be coming up in October again. This is a gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. The word gospel means what? Good news. Thank you very much. So G, the G is God created us to be with him. Listen, this is why I want you guys to get this, and it's on your bulletin as well, okay? You learn to tell the story of the Bible like this. 
G, God created us to be with him. That's Genesis. O, our sin separated us from God. That's what happened. That's the break. S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. I don't care how nice you are, you cannot remove your own sin by your own good deeds. You need a Savior. P, paying a price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him alone. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That story is told in this packet of papers here. So if you want, please take one of those home with you tonight, okay? And pay attention to that. That's how we learn to tell the story of the gospel. Okay, we got a theme verse, John 3.30, right? He must increase, I must decrease. That's the theme verse of the year, okay? I'm daring you guys to be different this school year. I'm daring you. I'm double daring you. I'm triple dog daring you. Be different this year and set aside Christ as your Lord, not just your Savior, as your Lord. And if you do, you will, he will increase and you will decrease. I got a theme song. So we got a theme verse. He must increase, I must decrease. I have a theme song this year. Are you ready? It's Casting Crowns. We're going to watch the video. I'm a nobody. Do you guys know that? I am a nobody. Wanted to tell everybody about the one who saved me. Watch the video.